This is Who Makes a Podcast. Conversations with your favorite podcast hosts about who they are, the shows they make, and why they make them. I'm your host, Chris Cookley, and my guest today is Stu. Stu hosts the Bitcoin and Financial Independence podcast and has been doing so for about a year. And his website is getbitcoinfi.com. In this episode, we talk about what is Bitcoin and how could it be useful, finding time to listen to and make a podcast with a busy schedule, not running out of ideas for new episodes by staying plugged into the news for that topic, and how joining a mastermind could help develop accountability for podcasting consistency. There is a ton more that we talk about, and if you are new to podcasting, I think you'll really get something out of this episode because both Stu and myself are fairly new to podcasting, too. But with that, here is my conversation with Stu. Stu, welcome to Who Makes a Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on, Chris. So you reached out to me on Reddit, and I'm excited to talk to you. I've listened to a couple of your episodes, and it's pretty interesting, I think, what you're talking about, but certainly would like to dig more into that. I know that you are a follower of the FIRE movement. What, what is that? So it's, it's kind of a big question. FIRE stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. I place a lot more focus on the financial independence part. I don't really care to retire early. I think I'll always probably have a job or a business or, you know, I'll, I'll be productive. I won't just be sitting on a beach anywhere. But the goal is to create passive income, to build up a store of assets that you do have the freedom so that if you do get stuck in that, that job that you don't like, um, you're, not, you're not just trapped. If, if your management changes or something like that, you have options. And uh, that's basically the goal is just to continually increase that freedom that you have. And how does Bitcoin factor into that? Your your podcast is all about Bitcoin. How does that factor into the financial independence, if if not necessarily the retire early part of what you're what you're following there? Yeah. So this is one I'm still exploring on my own podcast, and I'm still exploring in my own mind. Bitcoin is a topic that a lot of people know a little bit about, and I mean, what, what the public knows about Bitcoin, there's probably a good deal about that that is uh, misguided or misunderstood. So, you know, Bitcoin is money that is decentralized, that no one is in charge of, and you can self-custody it. You can hold it yourself. You don't have to rely on a bank or a government to custody your money, to issue your money. There's no nation that is controlling it. So, in a way, it kind of takes uh, financial independence to a higher level philosophically. Obviously, Bitcoin is a roller coaster ride. It has had some amazing rides up with some breathtaking pullbacks. But overall, it's it's just been an incredible investment. If you got in early, I wish I had gotten in way earlier, but uh, making up for lost time there. Yeah, I had heard about it back when I was in college. Actually, I had heard about it like probably within a year or two of when it first became a thing. And I remember distinctly, I tried to set up a wallet and I could not figure out how to set up a wallet. And I kind of gave up at that point. But I mean, that was back when they were like 
50 cents for a Bitcoin, right? And now, you know, they're however many tens of thousands of dollars. So yeah, definitely, you know, a little bit disappointed that I missed out on that. Personally, I don't hold any Bitcoin. I don't hold any crypto at all, actually. I guess I'm kind of a, a crypto skeptic, if you will. Is it not just gambling? It feels like it's just gambling. Well, for a lot of people, it does seem like gambling. And uh, that's one of the things I've talked about is on the podcast is, you know, it, it seems like an obvious scam, but then you see the price, like, obviously it's around 20,000 at the time of recording down from a high of around 70,000 back uh, eight months ago, almost a year ago. So, you know, it, it seems like this obvious scam, but when you really get in and learn about it, I think it becomes more apparent that maybe there's something there. So I'm not like one of those Bitcoiner guys that's like all in on it. I have a relatively modest allocation to it. But, um, you know, for me, the focus is on Bitcoin. I've kind of, when I started the podcast, it was supposed to be more like all things crypto, cryptocurrencies, because obviously there's a lot of cryptocurrencies outside of Bitcoin. But I've slowly shifted and become what's known as a Bitcoin maximalist, where Bitcoin is the thing that's real in my mind. And cryptocurrencies, pretty much all of them that are not Bitcoin, in a way are, are kind of a, you could say, if you want to say it strongly, um, a scam or you know a cheap copy or a fake. I don't know. It's, uh, it's definitely something, there's a lot of contention. There's a lot of tribes in the cryptocurrency world, but it's become to the point where I only focus on Bitcoin. And do you see it as an investment? Like, is it, is it a stock in your mind or is it actually a currency? Because when I, like, when I think about people and I hear about, I have, I have friends who are into crypto and, and trading them and acquiring coins and, and making little bets here and there on them. You know, they're not approaching it from the standpoint of, I need to obtain this item so that I can go buy things. They're approaching it from the standpoint of, I need to obtain this digital item so that I can hold it. And when it goes up in value, I can then sell it, which is not how you know, a currency works. So is, is Bitcoin actually a currency? They're all, they all seem to be called cryptocurrencies. But if you ask the person who bought a pizza for like 50 Bitcoin 10 years ago, they'd be real upset that they had bought that pizza right now. Yeah. So when it comes to defining money or a currency, there's a few ways you can look at it. Um, and what I think you're talking about is a unit of exchange. And some people will say Bitcoin's not a currency because you can't buy anything with it. Well, you can, you just wouldn't want to because that, that $5 sandwich is going to be worth, you know, it's going to be a $70,000 sandwich later on. That's true. Um, and we could talk about some of the bigger reasons of, of why maybe that is. But, uh, you know, obviously, you, you know, why does gold have value? You can ask kind of the same thing. You can't buy anything with gold. You can buy a lot more things with Bitcoin than you can with gold. There's also a definition of money that's, uh, that it's a unit of account. Um, so you have a medium of exchange, and uh, there's a third one I'm I'm not quite remembering at this time. Yeah, I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, but unit of account, you know, like obviously we we count our net worth, we count the value of everything mm -hmm. in U.S. dollars or whatever the local currency is. But um, you know, I think that there is maybe an argument that Bitcoin could become kind of what gold is, basically a hard money that you could tie things to. There's a lot of history there because right now we kind of have monopoly money that's not backed by anything, but most currencies just be backed by gold 
and they no longer are. They're just printed out of thin air. Sure. But they're backed by the hundreds of millions of people who believe in them. Right. Yep. So where does the value come from? It's uh, the value of a network, right? It's a, a mass cultural delusion. Yeah, a shared, a shared delusion of, <laughs> of, of whole countries and nations. Yeah. So you, your podcast is all about Bitcoin now and crypto previously. How long have you been making your podcast? Is, is this the first podcast that you've kind of started making? Have you had other shows that you, that you stopped that maybe you failed at along the way? So I have never podcasted until I started this one. You know, it's been going on a year. I, I used to blog and I started a podcast to get away from blogging. Yep. You know, I had a WordPress site and there's all these plugins and, and you have to set it all up and it's kind of a pain. All these plugins need updating all the time. I just, I just found it tiresome. You have the creative side where you want to just write, but then you also have the kind of logical side where you need to go back and edit. And it's two different parts of your brain. So I found that it was very hard for me to, to get a blog post out because I want to just write, sit down and push out a blog post but it's using two different parts of your brain. And, and so it would usually take two sessions for me. So yeah. I, I just got sick of all of the little things that go into blogging. I mean, I'm biased because I make a podcast, but I feel like podcasting is probably more the platform of the future, if certainly not the platform of now compared to blogging, right? Like people, they're talking about podcasting way more than they talk about a blog. I, I remember back, you know, I used to have a, a Google Reader set up and an RSS feed syndicating into my computer and it would pull in all the websites and the blogs and everything that I wanted to read and I would just kind of scroll through those. But those those days are kind of dead now. It's all about the podcast, right? Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I mean, I think the competition for blogs, I believe there's a number. Um, I want to say it's 400 million. I'd have to fact like Hundreds that. of millions, yeah. But 400 million blogs. So it's really hard to gain traction there. By comparison, there's about two or three million podcasts, and probably just about everyone you know listen to podcasts. It's definitely getting much more popular. Do you listen to a lot of podcasts? So when I moved across the country in 2019, I got into podcasts. I had never been into podcasts until 2019. And moving across the country, you know, I, I had a job, I had a commute. And I didn't have a lot of friends. I didn't have family nearby. So it was just me and my little family. So I had a lot of time to listen to podcasts. I was a huge podcast junkie. And it was all kind of the traditional financial stuff. Um, so I was listening to just real estate, like Bigger Pockets, NPR Planet Money, Choose FI, Stacking Benjamins. There was a whole host of financial and stock podcasts that I was listening to. But the more as I've gotten into doing my own podcast more and more, I've kind of stopped listening to as many podcasts as before. Okay. It also doesn't help that I don't have a commute anymore. I'm a fully remote yes. worker and I've got three little kids. Um, one of them being seven months old, eight months old. Wow. So, so this, the time is getting eaten up elsewhere. Yeah. I, I'm in the, a similar boat. I used to have a commute. I went fully remote two years ago. I still work at home. I, I try to take a walk in the morning and listen to some podcasts while I'm walking, but my, my commute before I started working from home was like 45 minutes one way and then over an hour on the way home with, with traffic. And I also have a couple little kids. I have a, a four and a half year old and then a 
16 month old, something like that. So yeah, they're they're definitely a handful. They're it's hard to find time for extended listening when a lot of these podcasts are, you know, an hour, two hours. Yeah, it definitely is hard. Um, I mean, I feel bad when I'm at home and I'm listening to the podcast. Yeah. Sometimes I'll listen while I'm like doing the dishes if my wife is putting the kids to bed or something like that in the evening. Sometimes on a walk. Um, if I have really tedious work that's just repetitive and not I don't have to think that hard, I'll listen to podcasts, but yeah, it's it's steadily decreased over time. But there was a time when I was listening to podcasts probably six hours a day. Wow. It was it was a little bit out of control. Are you one of those people that can listen to something while you're working? I, I can't have anything on like music. I, I wish I could listen to music or podcasts or something, but I, my brain is is so narrowly focused that if I can only be focusing on one thing at a time, right? So if I'm working, I have to be working and it has to just be silent in my room. Can you multitask at all that way? Uh, it depends on the job. Um, the jobs I had in the past were more repetitive and tedious, um, where, you know, I didn't have to think quite so hard. The job I'm currently in definitely takes more focus, more brain power. And I, that's another reason why I just find myself not able to listen to podcasts as much because I have to have that full attention, but other jobs I, I could pretty easily skate by. And, you know, I kind of question if, um, maybe I was just like a zombie when I was working cause I was so obsessed with podcasts, but <laughs> I'm not sure if it was me, like if, if the job was too easy or too mindless yeah. or if me being too much of a podcaster just made it seem that way. So if you're listening to them less, but you're still listening now, what is, if you had one kind of go-to podcast that you would check out every week, there's a new episode. What's the, what's the one podcast that you're not going to miss? Oh, I, I miss a lot now, but uh, the one I really want to keep up with probably is NPR's Planet Money. Yes. They are really fun episodes about totally random economic stuff. They are. Um, yeah, they're, like, they're awesome. Uh, trying they're, to start your own comic book. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one with the... Uh, and that, that was about kind of a podcasting thing too. It was Microface. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I will try to find that episode and put it in my show notes on this episode. If you, dear listener, would like to go check it out, it was a good. It was a good. It was actually a series of episodes, so it was a good series of episodes. Yeah. Do you have a certain host that you either look up to or maybe try to emulate, either consciously or subconsciously, about like how they make their show? You're trying to take some of that and and put it into into your show. I haven't really thought about that. I wouldn't say that I really emulate a lot of shows um, or any shows. If there was one, it might be, you know, because I have a solo show, it's it's really, I script out some stuff, but it's really stream of conscience. Mm-hmm. Usually I'll just have a little outline of a few ideas I want to touch on. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of good hosts. Uh, Vincent Puglisi, he had a podcast called Total Life Freedom, and it was a short daily podcast you know five to eight minutes and you know he's he's very well spoken and i just found him pretty enjoyable to listen to he always had a good takeaway so i would say that maybe that's one that i look to the most as a daily podcast it was a daily podcast for about oh, 950 man. days i can't even imagine trying to do that he, he would hardly edit it was there's no intro no outro yeah. that's got to be it yep <laughs> it was just five to eight minutes of his random thought 
turn the microphone on and uh, just go. Yep. Yeah, that, that would be the only way. I I spend, I mean, hours procuring guests and listening to their podcasts and trying to figure out ways that I can ask them interesting things and then editing and, and everything else. It takes a long time to put one of these episodes together. So it would have to be something smaller, a, a smaller lift in order to do something like that every single day. Yeah, it, it does seem tiring. How he has so many ideas is kind of beyond me. It's, it's, you know, I've been going for a year. I thought I would run out of ideas, but as I keep reading and learning, I, I do find that I, I, you know, there's a pretty steady stream that just keeps coming up. And especially with the current headlines on just Bitcoin, there's always something going on in the cryptocurrency market. Seth Godin was kind of like that too. Did you ever read his blog? I, I have not. I'm familiar with him, but yeah. I, I have not read much of his stuff. He has, he, I don't know if he still does. I haven't checked it recently, but for a long time there, he was posting a new blog post every single day. And some of them would be, you know, really long detailed things, but a lot of them were like one, two, maybe three paragraphs. And it was just a, a thought that he had. And then he would kind of explain his thought and that would be it. But even still, you know, doing it every single day is, is impressive. Yeah, definitely. Now, I, I know that you are going to say yes to this because you told me about it before we started recording, but have you done anything to actively get better at podcasting? Just focusing on my speech. I, I will say uh, having a podcast, it really makes you focus. So that is something I, I've tried to focus on and, and get rid of some of the annoying little filler words that we all have. Yeah. It definitely makes you a lot more aware of how you talk, but I did take a course it's called Do You Even Blog? I don't even know that's the name of the course, but Do You Even Blog is a blog. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he had a podcasting course. I believe he also has a podcast. And okay. I bought the, the course. It's one of the only online courses I've bought and actually finished. At, well, I, I say finished. I mostly finished it. I got enough out of it to get started on my podcast, and then I left a few things undone. Seems like it was worthwhile, maybe? It definitely was. Um, yeah. Without that course, that, that course was a pretty integral part in getting me up and going. Well, I haven't heard of that, but I'm going to definitely check it out and uh, just kind of take a look at what they're doing, maybe get some ideas. Yeah, he, he had some good good tips, good pointers. You know, there, you get so hung up if you want to start a podcast on what software to use, where to host it, Yeah, you know, mics, all that stuff. There, there's a lot to sort through, but he makes it pretty simple. You can really get down into the weeds with it. Hey, it's Chris. Can I jump in here for a minute and ask if you have thought about making your own podcast? If you have, you may have realized there's a lot more that goes into it than you might have thought. Don't worry. I have a gift for you. I want you to have my podcast quick start checklist. From what microphone and recording software you should use to how you host and distribute your show, I'm here to help with all of that and more. My podcast quick start checklist will walk you through everything you need to know to start your podcast. I'll show you what's actually important. To get my podcast quick start checklist, Go to whomakesapodcast.com slash start and tell me where to send it. Now let's get back to the episode. A lot of people, I think, can kind of get paralyzed by the choices 
And particularly when you're first starting out, it just, it doesn't really matter because nobody's listening. Unless you have a huge platform already, in which case you're probably not worried about what other people think about your podcast, but nobody's listening when you first start. So it just doesn't matter really what what mic you pick and what software you use and any of that. You just got to do it, right? Just get better at speaking and coming up with topics and making an interesting show. And then as the audience grows and as you get better, the show will get better. Your equipment will get better. It all just kind of progresses. But uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of analysis paralysis, I think, when people are first getting started. So that's cool that that course kind of uh, helped illuminate that for you. One one of the bigger things that got me finally off the ground was I joined a mastermind. Okay. I mentioned earlier Vincent Puglisi and his Total Life Freedom podcast. Yeah. He runs a, a mastermind. It's uh, it's 100 people, so it's pretty limited on who gets in. But I had won his book off of leaving a review for another podcast. And somehow I found his Facebook group, and then I just applied to be in his mastermind. I, was, I honestly question sometimes why he let me in. I don't know if I'm the most qualified because it's really kind of geared towards people with a podcast, people with a business. He's got photographers in there. He's got people with cleaning businesses. He's got public speakers, just all sorts of things going on in there. But there is a good amount of podcasters, and that's really what I wanted to do. So for me, just joining the Total Life Freedom Mastermind and having him, I could bounce ideas off of. He he, he definitely walked me through a few things, gave me a few ideas. And as soon as I also had that accountability that I'm paying 150 bucks a month for this mastermind, yeah. I was like, I have to do it. Uh, I'm not going to waste this money. And I've stayed in the mastermind for the last year and I've, I've learned a ton from everybody in the group and hopefully been able to help other people too. So you're still doing that? I am. Yeah. There's, there's still um, a good amount of people in the group that, you know, there's a monthly podcasting call there's even a storytelling call. A lot of podcasters join that along with some public speakers, um, authors. So, so there's all sorts of people coming at it from different angles. So how does that, how does that work then? He, you're in the mastermind and there's just a set of recurring calls of various topics. Does he lead these calls or are they kind of self-led by different people within the mastermind? He leads some of the calls. Others, he will defer to another expert in the field. There's a call every Tuesday and Thursday. Okay. So he says even to kind of treat it like a college uh, where you choose what you want. Interesting. Uh, so there's some calls that I go to. There's some calls that I will skip. Yeah. Uh, the storytelling call is really good. I've gone to calls on real estate. We're having some calls on uh, recession-proof your business uh, creating streams of income. There's there's calls on writing. There's a there's a broad amount of topics that they cover. How long do those usually last for? How long are you on for? It's about an hour. Okay, cool. Not something that I had uh, come across, but that's that's definitely sounds like it would be interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it's given me a ton of ideas, and there there are some really good podcasters in there that have been going for a while. So yeah, the accountability has been. A huge thing for me. What is it about podcasting that kind of drew you in? Like, why make a podcast? You were blogging. Why jump over to making the podcast? And then why make it about Bitcoin? I mean, financial independence is a broad topic that could have been a podcast in itself. Why? Why niche down? 
niche down, niche down? Yeah. So as I mentioned, I'm, I'm pretty big into finance. I've been studying finance for years, uh, a couple hours a day. It's, it's almost my primary hobby, you could say. Mm-hmm. Going back to 2010, I was in college and I would read Yahoo Finance in between classes. And when I got out of college, I had a week before I started my job. And one day I logged into Yahoo and, and I started reading all the things I would normally do. And it turns out that I was reading a, about two hours a day of financial content. So I was reading a lot of like Warren Buffett, John Bogle, Boglehead type stuff, just a certain style of investing. Uh, and uh, I kind of got into the fire movement, which uh, the main guy at the time was Mr. Money Mustache. He has a super popular blog. Yeah, I've read his blog before. Yeah. Yeah, it really is uh, a great blog, really well written, lots of great ideas. And the podcast that kind of took off when I got into listening to podcasts in 2019 was Choose FI. So that's Choose Financial Independence. And I just ate that stuff up. The first 200 or so episodes, I felt like I was learning, I was growing. But the whole time I was thinking, I should start a podcast. You know, I've been blogging for a few years. I kind of stopped for a year. I just couldn't really get any traction, uh, a lot of exposure. I mean, I had a few articles that did okay, but it was just an uphill battle. And I knew that there was way less competition for podcasts. And not only that, now I'm not a genius. I'm not the smartest guy out there. But I was listening to the host of Chooseify, and no offense to Brad or Jonathan if they ever hear this, but I was thinking I'm smarter than these guys in some aspects. Yeah. And they, uh, all they do on their podcasts, like, don't get me wrong, they know about finance, but they have financial experts come on their show and then they learn on the show. They just ask questions, but it's their business, it's their livelihood, it's their affiliate links, it's their content, it's their everything. And I was just thinking, I could talk about the same stuff. I could learn on my own show and I would have something to show for it. You know, instead of just passively learning, I could create something. So that's that's what drew me in. Also, as Bitcoin started to run up in 2021 through through COVID and, you know, the stock market too had a big rally. I had gotten into Bitcoin and Ethereum back in 2017. So if you remember 2017, it went from about 3,000 to... 20,000 a coin. Yeah. And then it subsequently dropped back down to about 3,000 for a few years. And then 2021, it ran up again up to 70,000. So I got interested again. Um, I had never sold the Bitcoin or Ethereum that I had bought. So I was just happy to kind of be back in the money after buying near the all time highs of 2017. <laughs> so I got interested and I bought a course on, on Bitcoin, an online course. It was also, it was, it was mostly about Bitcoin, but it talked about some other cryptocurrencies. But this course was $1,200. That's a big course for four hours wow. of video. Yeah. But the other thing it came with was six months of weekly calls and, and kind of coaching with the guy that made the, the course. And so for six months, I was joining a call for about two hours every Saturday. And for most of the time, I was driving those calls. Like he was running it and I was just, question after question after question. And I was researching during the week. So I had this really intense study for about six months. And once I kind of lost access to that, that also coincided with when I got into Total Life Freedom, that mastermind. And so I was like, I need to start doing my own thing here. I'm going to go 
make uh, CryptoFi. And well, it turns out CryptoFi was taken. There was already a blog called that. So I was like, okay, what am I going to do? So I, I ended up with Bitcoin Fi, Bitcoin and financial independence. Do you have, I mean, obviously you own Bitcoin. Do you have a lot of Bitcoin? You have like five, five Bitcoin? I do not have 10 Bitcoin. A lot in comparison to so many people. <laughs> And I and I did something maybe kind of bad. Um, I borrowed against my house to oh. to get the allocation that I wow. wanted to. That's risky. It, yeah, it is risky, and I am down. So, but I'm not worried. Well, I hope it I hope it turns around for you. I'm sure it'll it'll go back up, and then it'll go back down. Yeah, I I will just point out uh, there's this four year cycle that happens with Bitcoin where it becomes twice as scarce. You know, you've heard of Bitcoin mining. Few people understand it, but they kind of have heard about it. It used to be when Bitcoin first came out, it was 50 Bitcoins were released by the code mm-hmm. every 10 minutes. Yeah, it's... In 2012, it dropped to 25 Bitcoins. So it cuts in half. They call it the halvening. So now all of a sudden in 2012, it's twice as scarce. And what happened to the price in 2013? It shot up. In 2016, so every four years, once again, now we're getting 12 and a half Bitcoins every. 10 minutes well the price runs up and adjusts in 2017 and then it pulls back heavily 2020 it cuts in half again we're getting 6.25 bitcoins every 10 minutes it shoots up in 2021 and uh, the next one is in 2024 so i guess you maybe you have three historical cycles of what happens so i am anticipating a pretty big run up in 2025 well i suppose we'll see (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we'll see how well this ages. Three years to go. Yeah, we'll revisit. Put a put a note on your calendar to come back three years and uh, see if Bitcoin has quadrupled, tripled, or whatever it is. Yeah, I think actually what it will normally do is somewhere between uh, from the bottom to the top. It's usually well in COVID it was three thousand and then it went up to seventy thousand. So it's usually about a was that a twenty twenty x. Roughly. Something like that, yeah. So if we got a 20x from here, that'd be a lot. You have released, uh, looks like about 46 episodes maybe on your podcast so far, once a week. Yeah, about once a week. Do you feel like you're happy with that cadence? Do you think you'll you'll release more or less? How did you decide on, on once a week? It comes down to time for me. You know, you listen to my podcast. I don't have intro music. I don't have outro music. Most of my episodes are solo. A lot of them are in the 10 to 20, 25 minute range. You know, we talked about how we have little kids running around the house. So we're recording. It's, it's 9 p.m. So yeah, that's when I have time is, is after the kids go to bed early in the morning, maybe on a lunch break or on a Saturday. So I keep it pretty short. Um, most of the podcasts that I listen to now are also in the 10 to 30 minute range like NPR's Planet Money is usually about a 24 minute show. So yeah, it's uh it's it's good for me at a weekly cadence and sure I'd love to do more but I'd re- I need to also balance it with my family and my and with my work. So how do you how are you staying motivated to continue making new episodes? Does your podcast factor into your fire financial independence goals in any way? Is, is it still just a hobby that you enjoy or is there a, a greater goal with the podcast as far as the financial independence stuff goes? Yeah, so that's a multifaceted question. What my 
what my goal of the podcast it, it's basically a journey of me learning about bitcoin coming to greater understanding hopefully with the listeners over time i am also a chronic dabbler and tinkerer with various apps and platforms okay also bitcoin is misunderstood a lot there's a lot of what you would call fud fear uncertainty and doubt that is spread by the media and you know banks and governments don't necessarily want bitcoin to succeed therefore anyone that's invested in in the success of those things also is usually opposed to bitcoin so there's so many things there's there's scammers i want to you know if people are going to get into it i think they should take a reasonable approach that's that's my thing i'm not as i mentioned i'm not all in on bitcoin i have less than five percent of my net worth allocated i think most people should have a little bit i think most people should learn about it a little bit they should just try to understand the system now versus this other alternative system that could be a thing in the future. So if there's ways that I can help people avoid mistakes with certain platforms or, or taxes or, you know, find ways to save money, especially with inflation right now, I'm also just trying to help people save more money. Uh, so, so there's a lot of things I want to do. I also just want to have something in the public domain. Uh, I just think it's cool to have my own podcast. So it's, it's, it is for fun. You know, I'm paying. Yeah basically $2,000 a year between my the mastermind that I'm in and the software that I use. So it doesn't really factor into my financial independence goals, although it could if I monetized it at some point. I mean, I would imagine there has to be some sort of ROI plan on that, right? Like 2K is a ton to put into a, a hobby. I guess it's not that much to put into a hobby, Yeah, honestly. But annually it would be. If it just kept going, like I'm thinking like photography, you could, you could drop $2,000 on a camera. Like it's nothing, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it that way, maybe it's not, maybe it's not so much. I mean, I will say I want to make courses. I, I, I have done some coaching in the past. Uh, I've coached friends and family. I've coached a few random people. I've coached a few people in the, the, the mastermind group. So I'm still learning about that but there are plans and and the podcast could basically be a lead magnet basically a sales funnel yeah where you learn about bitcoin with me on the podcast and if you want to get to a certain level maybe there's a coaching maybe there's coaching that i can offer or maybe there's a course that i can offer and also at some point i want to do uh, an ebook so there's a few things in the roadmap have you thought about expanding to more podcasts at all or is you think think you're sticking with just the one probably just the one for now i I definitely have thought about it because i'm actually going to start talking more about real estate for a little bit on the podcast there's a few real estate investments that i'm interested in i i have one rental i've been meaning to share my real estate learnings and journey on the podcast i just haven't really gotten to it so i'm also learning about metals like gold and silver and trying to acquire some and Basically, the focus for me is is fighting inflation and hard assets, what you would call a hard asset versus a soft asset. I'm not familiar with that. What would a, a hard asset be versus a soft asset? So uh, something that is a hard asset would be real estate. There's only so much land, so uh, they're, they're not making any more. So it's, it, there's, a, there's a finite okay. supply of it. Bitcoin is a scarce asset. Stocks are not really a scarce asset because you have all these companies that theoretically could go public, but maybe, maybe, I mean, you could make an argument 
a few different ways. Uh, metals are known as a hard asset. Fiat currencies like the US dollar, the euro, those are soft assets. They are being printed out of nothing in increasing amounts. Okay, that makes sense. So you're making an episode once a week. You have not overly long episodes, 10, 15, 20 minute episodes. How are you organizing the content that goes into your podcast? Do you have a content schedule that you're using? Do you have these, do you have like an idea board that you're keeping track of what you want to cover and, and when? Uh, or are you just kind of like, oh crap, I got to put a podcast episode out this week. I better come up with an idea tonight. That's how it is uh, coming out of summer. Just it was survival. <laughs> I have a little bit more time to think with kids going back to school this fall. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. I have a whole list of ideas. I haven't looked at that list in, in a while. Uh, but yeah, a lot of it's just me experimenting with different apps and, and, and the pros and cons and and ways how you can earn Bitcoin for free or for what you normally buy. Uh, basically, instead of getting cash back, you can get Bitcoin back with all these different companies and platforms that are popping up. So that's a lot of it right now. There's some philosophical episodes. You know, I don't have a lot of guests. I've had I think three or four guests on my podcast. I definitely want to have more, but I also don't know if I want to waste people's time. <laughs> you know, there has to be an ROI for that person probably, whether it's more LinkedIn followers or, or something, unless they are just my friend and want to talk. But usually it's some sort of finance or investment professional or some other Bitcoiner, real estate investor, stock investor, you know, just someone that knows stuff that's really smart yeah. that will come on and share their ideas. And how are you finding those people? How do you, what's your, what's your process for finding a guest for your podcast? And then what's your process for booking them and bringing them on the podcast? What's that whole guest process look like? So all the guests I've had come from LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, LinkedIn is a, you know, I've had an account for years going through college. I always kept it up to date, basically an online resume. Uh, but I was what you would call a lurker. And I think the vast majority of LinkedIn users are lurkers. They go on there every once in a while, usually when they switch jobs or get a promotion. And that's about it. But there is a lot of good content on LinkedIn. There's a lot of really smart people. So all I've started doing in the last year is I just started commenting. And I started having these people would message me and I'd message them. And, and we'd have some really interesting conversations. You know, since I started the podcast, some of these people have come on and, and shared what they know. And uh, that's that's been awesome. Uh, I've I've since shifted to where I'm actually creating a little bit more content on LinkedIn. So not just on the podcast, but on LinkedIn. I try to post once a day. I want to say I do about five out of seven days a week. Wow! And I'm steadily gaining followers. So it's it's kind of interesting to to see that platform grow beyond what I thought it would be. Especially since I'm posting about stuff that has nothing to do with my day job or industry exactly yeah anyway it's it's just fun uh because then the smart people that i used to comment on their posts they're commenting on my posts and you know we all kind of grow together so it's it's been fun as far as having them on the podcast yeah it happens through a conversation uh, you know i do a little bit of prep for them uh, you gave me kind of a list of questions that i might get asked uh, i usually have a topic or a few topics that i want them to cover because they have expertise in that and yeah i just uh it's it's pretty freeform. I don't really script a whole lot. Real quick, going back to the LinkedIn posting. I don't know if you do this or not, 
there's definitely, as I've spent a little bit more time recently on LinkedIn, there's definitely a a style of post that people seem to make on LinkedIn. And I saw a meme the other day that I, was just hilarious. It was like, reality is I got my driving license. And then the LinkedIn post would be something like, I am honored and thrilled to announce that I have been selected among the top five applicants to participate in professional and the most respected exam, which evaluates the skills and abilities to operate a fuel-based vehicle. And I cannot wait to see what the next chapter holds. I've seen that. It's ridiculous. It's it's pretty funny. But there's there's just a lot of stuff like that on LinkedIn. But it seems like it's, it's definitely a, uh, a platform that people engage with. So, you know, for something like finance, for something in in that realm, I can totally see it being a valuable place to find guests. Are you uh, using that to drive growth to your podcast at all? Uh, Sadly, not really. Because of the nature of the content, which, you know, that might sound silly, but obviously Bitcoin has made some people filthy rich. Yeah. It has not made me rich yet, unless you count me being free from uh, government oversight with this money and free from currency debasement. But, uh, you know, I'm technically down in U.S. dollars, so I should not be a, a target. But I, I, <laughs> I uh, blog and podcast anonymously. I post on LinkedIn just my thoughts about stocks, real estate, finance, just what central banks are doing, just random stuff like that. I also post some career stuff and some parenting stuff. Just there's all sorts of random stuff that I'll, I'll post thoughts on. Uh, but... I do have a business page and I, you know, so it's, it's completely separate and, and I do try to post on the business page. So I pretty much keep my personal account separate from my podcast business page. Got it. Can you share on LinkedIn, the podcast without it being linked back to your personal page? If you wanted to keep it anonymous, I'm not, I'm not all that familiar with it. So I don't know if that's possible. Yeah, you can, you can post from a company page. Okay. So that's that's essentially what I do. Although I have heavily neglected my, uh, my my LinkedIn page, I definitely need to be sharing my podcast more. I've got maybe 150 followers on my business page, nice. whereas I have about 1,500 on my personal page. If not through LinkedIn, how are you trying to drive growth to your podcast? Or are you? Are you just? Are you making it just? It's a hobby right now, and if it grows, it grows, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. This is the hard part. Yeah. I mean, when you think about podcasts, you mentioned I have 46 episodes. You know, how many podcasts do you listen to that only have 46 episodes? Probably not very many. Most of the podcasts you listen to have like 200 plus episodes. Yeah, they've been they've been around a while. Yeah. So it is it is pretty hard to gain traction. Not, not saying that you can have 20 episodes and, and not have a lot of listeners. Again, if you have a platform already on LinkedIn or on Twitter or on something, you know, or you're like a CEO or a social media influencer, there's, there's ways to fast track it. So I don't know. Um, the growth has been slow. It's a slog. It's a grind as far as how I market it. Yeah. I need to do more with LinkedIn. I need to do more with my blog, just building the search engine optimization. I could do a lot more with social media. I, I mean, I do promote it to family and friends on my, my personal, you know, Facebook account. Yeah, Twitter is a decent spot to share some of my, some of my stuff. What I really need to do is become a guest on more podcasts. I've, you know, not counting your show, I've been a guest on I think two other podcasts, maybe three. And so building connections with other podcasters is probably the fastest way to grow. 
So that's that's going to be my main strategy. And I, I want to start going to conferences. There's a Bitcoin conference coming up in May. So that's a ways out, but I'd love to go to that and, and uh, hopefully get some things set up with either more guests or becoming a guest on other podcasts. That's probably one of the big things is going to be going to conferences, networking with other podcast hosts, becoming a guest on their show. But how I met you was in the Reddit podcasting. I don't even know what you call it on Reddit, but like Sub, a, a I think they're subreddits. A subreddit, yeah. Yeah. And and you were asking for feedback, and and I was told to do that as a way to promote my show. And I thought I just I I listened to some of your episodes, and then I gave you some feedback, and and here we are. I asked to be on the show, and you let me on. Yeah. So. Yeah, I've actually met a number of people on Reddit that have ended up on the show. It's a if you're making a podcast. The R slash, I think it's podcasts, is a, a really good community to be in. So definitely go check that out. Yeah, you can link your podcast like in your Reddit, you know, just, just posting around on Reddit. Yeah. I didn't realize you can have a profile. I, I've never done Reddit, so I'm still learning it. Uh, it's actually been pretty fun to, to figure out, but... I had not done it before this year, and I thought maybe I should get on there as my podcast and try to engage in the community in some way so my username is who makes a podcast that's my it's my reddit username so yeah yeah it sounds like it's been a good thing for you good thing for me so yeah it's been a cool spot yeah i find that you know the more you give if you go in trying to give you end up getting you know and becoming a guest and, and growing your show yeah absolutely so this is your first podcast that you're making you took a course you're in a mastermind what kind of history did you have with audio recording before getting into podcasting? Did you have anything? I had nothing. Uh, that was probably the biggest thing. Yep, I, I knew nothing. I, I still know next to nothing. But yeah, the software I use and, and the equipment I got works for me. And, and, and what is that? What are you using as far as your microphone, any other gear, software? You know, what's the, what's the technical setup look like? So the guy from Do You Even Blog, Pete McPherson is his name. In his course, he talked about this cheap little mic. It's it's a lavalier mic, meaning it's one of those, I think you see like newscasters use this. Sometimes um, it's the mic that clips to your shirt. Yes. So it's that's called a lavalier mic. It's a, it's a weird name. He just recommended this one. It's called a Power Wise is the brand. I think it was 90 bucks on Amazon. It doesn't have headphones, so it's it's good for solo shows where you just talk into it. And that's the one I got, and that's that's what I use. Since we're doing an interview, I'm using Apple uh, corded headphones, the ones that you used to get when you buy an iPhone before they switched the the port or whatever. But yeah, but they, I don't even think they give you those anymore. You have to buy AirPods now. So that that wouldn't surprise me. I, I don't have an Apple phone, so I don't know. But that wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. So and then as far as recording, uh, do you even blog? So Pete McPherson talked about this software called Descript. And I also heard about that from Vincent Puglisi, but you record into it directly. You can make this composition. Oh, you're recording directly into Descript. Okay. I'm recording directly into it. Unless I do an interview, I use Zoom and then I just record it and then I upload that file into Descript. It makes the transcript and all you do is, is it's almost like in Word. It puts out the words associated with the audio and anytime you say um or ah or whatever, if you need to cut things out, if I mess things up and have to restate a sentence, 
you just delete the words and it deletes the audio behind it. And then you can tighten up some of the gaps if you want. You can automatically pull out filler words. It's, it's pretty cool software. Without Descript, I would not have a podcast because it makes it so easy. And do you think that it does a pretty good job with transcribing the audio? Because that's something that I've ran into. I, I used to try and do a transcript for my episodes, and I wasn't using Descript. I was using another piece of software or website, I guess, called otter.ai. And it was it was like 85% accurate from my experience. And 85% accurate is pretty good, but that's still a, a ton of editing that I would need to do on you know an hour, hour and a half long interview. And I know your shows are not that long, so maybe it doesn't affect you quite as much. But do you feel like Descript does a pretty good job with that, with the translating what you're saying into words? It's probably about the same 80 to 90% good it depends on how clearly you talk and if the words you use are that common you know a lot of the things that i say with bitcoin and cryptocurrency it doesn't recognize as well this is not a word about as much you're just making this up (laughs) yeah pretty much so uh but i am actually being told in my mastermind that i need to be turning my transcripts into blog posts and uh just building this body of seo work so that's one of my goals is to start providing transcripts as blog posts i've heard about that and that was one of the original reasons that i was doing a transcript and then i i can't remember which guest it was it might have been andrew kerr on the house hacking episode one of my guests and i'm i'm like so i'm almost positive it was him was saying that he does not do a transcript because if you're saying the same thing over and over and over again, Google might see that on your website as like a form of keyword stuffing. And then your website would actually get like demoted or ranked lower than another website because they think you're just artificially pumping up the content that's on there rather than providing value. I think it's all kind of a black box. I don't know that anybody actually knows the answers, but that was know. kind of interesting. And that uh, I would tend to maybe disagree with that. Yeah. You know, write for humans, not for Google. Different people. I heard that from someone in my mastermind that was telling me I need to do it uh, because some people want to listen to the podcast. Some people want to read it. And so just having both would probably be good. Uh, I mean, every blog talks a lot about their certain subject, most likely. So I I don't know how it would really hurt you if you're, you know, as far as content stuffing, that, that, that doesn't really compute in my mind, but you're right. I mean, who knows the algorithm and they change it on purpose over time. So you have to stay on top of it and keep paying your SEO consultants and stuff. Again, it maybe it makes more sense for your podcast than it does for mine just because of the length of the episodes. Yeah. But I, I could totally see reading a, a blog post that would take you 15 minutes to, to read out loud as if it were, you know, a podcast versus, you know, I mean, my, some of my transcripts were thousands and thousands and thousands of words and uh i mean nobody's nobody's actually reading that like, you could just let's be paste honest. it with all the typos too and then when they get frustrated they'll just go to the podcast <laughs> yeah that's that's an option that's certainly an option all right so descript you record straight into it you edit into descript and then i assume that they allow you to export the audio and and do they do like the leveling on it and any other effects built into it? I don't know. Uh, 
leveling. I don't, I don't know. See, and I, there's so much that it can do that I haven't even looked at because I am literally doing a bare bones podcast. Yeah. You know, I will say, and there's pros and cons with everything. You have a very nice sounding podcast. You've got this intro outro music. A lot of podcasts do that. You know, like choose if I had a 45 minute intro. And so it drove, drove me nuts. 45 minute intro. Yeah. Or sorry. Choose if I has a 45 second intro. Oh. Okay. And on the podcast player I was listening on, I would I would always skip, you know, 30 seconds, 30 seconds back 15. Yeah. And you know, I just don't care. And sometimes they would have a little bit before the intro as well. So it was more like a minute or a minute and a half like previewing. I don't care. You know, I listen to the newsworthy that has a 30 second intro and I skip it every time. So, I don't know. I if I had to do intro music, outro music, I I also wouldn't have a podcast. Uh, so I am doing like, I guess I would call it the minimum viable podcast. Sure. I'm doing the bare minimum. It's just me getting in and talking. The only thing I have added is there's like a one second, like a fuzzy sound, almost like a static sound. And when I've done interviews, I, I usually in, introduce the guest and then I make that like that one fuzzy sound that I know how to make. Yeah. And then we go into the interview and then at the end I pop it back in again and then do the outro. That's the only thing I've done. And do you batch any episodes? Do you have episodes in advance ready to go? Or are you are you kind of week to week? I know the summer's been crazy. Not the summer notwithstanding, what would you what would your preference be? Over holiday weekends, sometimes I think I think on Memorial Day this year, I I batched maybe four or five episodes. And uh, I also had a month of paternity leave in February and I did a lot of episodes then. So I, I kind of got out in front just going, I had a very busy spring at work and then I had a busy summer with a big trip in June and July. So, so I, I kind of try to front run when I know I'm going to be more busy. Yeah. And if I can use a three day weekend to just sneak away for an hour or two, I can, I can go record two or three episodes. Assuming I have all the ideas and all the thoughts formed, some of them take a while, you know, you, you get an idea for a podcast sometimes and it, you have to research stuff or, or come up with an angle or come up with a more bigger thought, you know, just, just something that's more applicable or, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Um, I'm behind now, but I, I definitely want to catch back up and, and not go week to week anymore. Yeah. All right. So you record your episodes, you edit it, you get the file. What are you using for distribution? How are you sending your podcast out to everybody? I use Red Circle. It seems to do a pretty good job. I think, you know, Stitcher, Apple, Spotify are the big ones. I think Amazon has podcasts now, maybe, and Google. I've heard of somebody else using Red Circle. I thought I had on a guest, had on as a guest, and I cannot remember who it was, but they were pretty happy with it as well. Yeah, it's been it's been good. It's not that hard, and it's free. And I think they have some sort of um, like dynamic ad insertion. I think don't they? They, I, I've seen that. I don't know anything about it. I'm I'm not ready yeah. to alienate any listeners with ads yet, but uh, maybe at some point. I just pulled up their website and it says that podcasts must average 500 weekly downloads to be eligible for the ad platform. So I don't know if you're at that level or not, but uh, that seems to be their minimum. Yeah. Yeah. I still have some work to do there. Yeah. Same, same with me. And then you have a, a website for your podcast, right? So do you find that to be something 
that is helpful? Is that necessary? I don't know. Uh, you know, getbitcoinfi.com. I haven't updated that site, I don't think, in six months. So uh, hopefully I will soon with some transcripts. You know, I do try to, with, with Red Circle, you can generate a video file. I want to put those on YouTube, and maybe I'll embed those in my blog as well. Uh, but what I have been using a little bit more is this service called PodPage. Mm-hmm. There, there's a free tier and there's a paid tier. And all it does is with the free tier is you can go to PodPage, you can search for a podcast, and all of your episodes will sync automatically. So it's it's a nice place to send people. It has your show notes all nicely laid out. Uh, but if you want to get like a custom website through them, so you can get SEO and, and uh, a custom domain and all this stuff through them if you pay for it. But uh, for now, that's been a good balance for me. My, my blog is through Squarespace and I was paying more just so I could embed my podcast. But as of now, I'm just redirecting uh, I, I quit paying for that tier. I took out all my embedded podcasts and I'm just redirecting that page uh, or just providing a link to go to pod page because they're all embedded on that website too. Okay. So the getbitcoinfi.com, the page that you land on, that is not the pod page. It's not. It's separate. So how do you get to the pod page site? Yeah. Uh, so like I said, so I, I link from the blog, not on the homepage. I should do it on the homepage. There's a, there's a podcast on the menu bar at the top. But yeah, you kind of just, if you go to PodPage, I believe you can just search for podcasts and find the show that you want if they're they're using it. I don't know. I haven't really thought this through all the way yet, so it it may not make sense that I'm splitting it up. But basically, I just wanted to pay less for Squarespace. Yeah. Well, I know that you can redirect URLs, so it could be something to look into where you can just get that BitcoinFi.com URL to point directly to your PodPage site if PodPage is what you're going to be building it with yeah i I don't know if i want to pay for pod page either it kind of depends uh with with squarespace you know i can get emails uh i have an email form i have a voicemail form Uh if people want to ask me a question they can leave a voicemail or an email so so there's some pros and cons to squarespace versus pod page but if if you're starting a podcast and you don't want to worry about a website definitely do pod page Stu, what is one of the most important lessons that you've learned about podcasting since you started? Uh, so we, we talked about earlier, it's, it's a grind to get some traction. So what it really, what you need to do is it's hard if you're results driven because you want to think, well, I need to get a hundred downloads a week. I want to, or per episode, I want to get, you know, 500 or a thousand downloads per, per episode. Uh, it, it can take years. And obviously, I'm going on year two, so uh, got a long way to go. But instead, I'm setting process goals, not results goals. My goal is to put out a weekly podcast. If I if I do that, I meet my goal. Yeah. I'm not focusing on the metrics. I'm not focusing on the downloads. I'm not focusing on website traffic. I'm I'm just I'm just building. And eventually, you know, that's how an overnight success happens. Is you, you just don't see the 10 years that lead up to it, the five years that lead up to it. So that's really the goal is just to be consistent. Consistency will win over time. And it's, it's uh, in the end, it's kind of a numbers game and podcasting is a good place to be. But uh, yeah, consistency is, is how you're going to get there. That is actually exactly what my goal is as well, because I, I can't control the numbers. You know, I can try to tell people about the show and I can try to market it as, as best I can or, or not. 
And, uh, you know, if they listen, they listen. If they don't, they don't. But I can control whether or not I have an episode that comes out every other week. So focus on what you can control, I guess. And uh, don't focus on what you can't. What is something that I did not ask you that you thought I might? Ooh, I was not ready for that one. Um, You know, (laughs) I, I think I actually... I don't know if I have an answer for you. You have a whiteboard of notes that you uh, that you pre-thought yeah, I, out. I mean, I listened to a few of your episodes, so I, I feel like I knew what was coming. Okay, fair enough. And then where can people find you? So pretty active on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Stu Frugal, so S-T-U and then Frugal. Also, my podcast should be anywhere you listen to podcasts and also on LinkedIn. Is that also at Stu Frugal? Uh, LinkedIn, I think, is different. You gotta, you have to search for uh, Bitcoin and financial independence. All right. Well, Stu, I had a ton of fun talking to you. I think this was super enlightening, particularly for anybody who's maybe not familiar with Bitcoin or the financial independence side of the world. <laughs> Thanks for coming on and talking to me about your podcast. Thanks for having me. That was my conversation with Stu. Bitcoin enthusiast and host of the podcast, Bitcoin and Financial Independence, which can be found on all of the major podcast networks. You can also find Stu at getbitcoinfi.com. My name is Chris Cookley, and you can find me at whomakesapodcast.com. If you enjoyed this episode, it would be an enormous help if you shared it with your friends or made sure that you are subscribed wherever you're listening right now. It really helps a lot. And if you host a podcast and would like to be my next guest on Who Makes a Podcast, let me know. Go to whomakesapodcast.com slash guest and tell me about your show. This is Who Makes a Podcast. I'll be back next time with another conversation with another incredible podcast host. Thanks for listening.